Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the CEOs, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. According to most projections, marijuana is almost a $100 billion industry annually, both legal and illicit. Yet, despite the emergence of a strong international legal medical market and an ever-expanding adult use market, only about $15 billion of that $100 billion is from legal sales. For almost 80 episodes now, Lewis and Ann have spoken with a wide variety of people involved with legal marijuana. Each of them have either worked in the legal business side of the industry or as an activist fighting to change the laws of the land to bring the cannabis plant out of the dark and into the light. Today, our guest is somewhat different. He is a person who is regarded as among the best artisanal small batch marijuana edibles bakers in the country. Because he lives and works in a state where adult use marijuana isn't quite yet legal, we've taken the steps today to filter and anonymize his voice. This is truly a must listen to episode, so don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to the chat with the chocolatier who we're calling Willy Wonka. Welcome to the Green Rush. Given our guest's wish for discretion and the need to keep his identity masked, we are actually not going to welcome him by name. Um, but given his unique talent for baking and as a chocolatier, for the purposes of this episode, we will refer to him as Willy Wonka. So, welcome to the Green Rush, Willy. We really appreciate you being here. Hey, man. That's my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, not too long ago, Willie, you cooked a meal um, that I attended, and I was blown away, one, by your talent as a, a, a chef in general, but two, because it was an, an infused meal. Can you talk a little bit about building a menu, how you manage a guest experience? I mean, it was so much fun. Uh, yeah, sure. So um, that, was, uh, that was a dinner that I was hired on to do, which is a little different than and the kind of dinners where I actually uh, host the dinner. And um, so it's, it's creating the menu is uh, oftentimes a collaboration with whoever is hosting the event. So uh, that dinner that you attended was, um, was a farm to table type dinner. So we were sourcing specifically what we could find in that area, right? Um, and from there on out, it's- uh, And it, it was in the summer. And it was in the summer, yeah. So it was we a had lot of fresh vegetables. Fresh vegetables, uh, fruit. Um, uh, Grass-fed beef. Uh, we had filet mignon. We had uh, organic grass, uh, free-range chicken, uh, roast chicken with the sauce. Um, had some uh, little uh, mini, mini uh, cherry tomatoes with uh, mini cherry tomato BLTs. Oh, those uh, are so good. <laughs> and uh, I honestly, man, I can't remember the rest of the menu. <laughs> so you had the red bean hummus with the crudite that was infused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you had um, ginger beer. Uh, Blueberry lemonade. Yeah, the ginger beer is one of my favorites, man. So that that takes like uh, three to five days to make. Um, that's made with um, uh, organic ginger, uh, a lot of organic lime, um, organic brown sugar, honey, and um, let it ferment for about three to five days. And it has, it's it's naturally effervescent. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can drink bottles of that stuff for days. <laughs> <laughs> so so I can tell you that the guests. You know, as a guest, and and I and I got feedback from my friends who were there as well. Um, they had a great time, um, but they didn't understand how to properly dose. And we're going to talk about that in, in a little bit. But um, so you are a chef, yeah, uh, and a chocolatier. How did you get involved in 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 the industry? Um, yeah. So uh, you know what? Hey, before I forget, um, I actually I brought something for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No fair. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what, you know I'll bring. You know it, I'll, I'll see if I can bring some to Toronto with me. When, when I when I see you, I'll, I'll uh, when I see you next, I'll I'll uh, bring you something. Yeah, you definitely can't do that, Lewis. Oh Just to be clear. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you, I'm gonna take a. I want to take a picture of the packaging. Okay. And show what this looks like because you know, and then we can even put this on Insta. So. Um, it's really cool. I mean, it's like, it looks like this really beautiful box and then you open it and then what's inside. Oh my God. <laughs> this is so cool. It's literally Cadbury cream eggs. 
Stop it. Yeah, with a little bit of a twist. So, oh my um, God, these so, are so you're going to recognize the Cadbury cream. It's it's pretty um it's it's pretty traditional in terms of the cream. The chocolate is a different story. So you're not going to get that um really sweet milk chocolate. What oh you have God. here is a Valrona chocolate with um, organic cocoa butter, um, organic um, uh, milk, uh, and it's not going to be as sweet as that as a traditional Cadbury cream egg, which is how I like it. I hope you like it too. Oh my! Well, I'm not gonna eat. Wait, how how much? <laughs> how how many milligrams is it? Eat it so now! Each, <laughs> eat no it way. now! Are you kidding me? It's, it's it's we're recording this at one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, yeah, each egg is uh, about ten milligrams. Yeah, I'll save this for for later. But oh my god, this is so beautiful! And I just texted these pictures to you, um, and I'll, I'll send them to you, Shay, as well. These are unbelievable. This is like literally, it's like a Cadbury cream egg. It is the most beautiful thing. Oh wow! The most Easter thing you've probably ever gotten in your life. <laughs> yes. All right. So first of all, where's one you. more item? Absolutely, man. Um, so this is going on our menu this week. This is a. This is a chocolate bar. Um, it looks like a Wonka bar. <laughs> yeah, it's in a gold wrapper. So what that is is um, that's uh, a dark uh, chocolate bar made with uh, Peruvian uh, Criollo uh, cacao. So this is um, non-alkalized, uh, minimally processed cacao um, with uh, organic sugar, um, uh, Himalayan pink salt, uh, oh toasted tricolor quinoa and uh, guava. Wow, wow, <laughs> so, wow! So this uh, this item should give you kind of an idea of what we like to do, which is create things with uh, uh, flavors that kind of uh, balance each other. They, they're they're kind of uh, almost in conflict there, but they, 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 they balance each other out. So you have that guava that's going to be, um, that's going to be balanced out with I the, the quinoa. Right, so these are, and these are, um, hash marked across so you can break it. Yeah. So and there, I yeah. So there are 15, um, segments in there and three segments is one serving. Uh, I, oh man. Okay. Well, thank you. These are amazing. These are, I love gifts. These are <laughs> Glad awesome. you like and, it, man. And by the way, um, I, I, Full disclosure, I did encourage you to make the cabaret. You, you did. That's these yeah. are gonna be I guarantee you these are gonna sell like they're this. not going on the menu. They're not going they're on just, the menu. They're just no, they're just for you. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. I was I I really did consider putting them on the menu, but they're they are they're really uh Hard labor intensive. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh but uh but no, I mean it was fun making them. I, I like making that sort of stuff. But to sell it's it's also you know they're they're fragile. So yes, they are fragile. Well, can we can I can I jump in and ask a question because yeah, you know yeah, you talked course, about please. what's quote unquote on the menu. Can you talk a little bit about what this menu is? Yeah. So um so I put out a menu every week and it changes uh, depending on um, what we have on offer that week. We have some um, staple items. Um, uh, we just recently cut down the menu uh, so that I can focus more on specials. Uh, so for example, this week um, I decided to make a chocolate. I'm working with this uh, new cacao. Uh, I really want to. I really like uh, the these subtle tropical flavors. Um, there's you'll get like hints of banana in that the cacao. Uh, and so this this item. Uh, really is emblematic of my taste of what I like to eat. And that's what goes on the menu. That's what I make the things that I'm going to eat. And so, um, so yeah, I'll put out this menu, um, and, um, tell people here's a new item and, um, and then, uh, people, uh, you know, they like it, decide if they like it or not. Yeah. Decide if they want to try it or not. So how did you get into this? Right. Because, um, you know, being an, inf an infused edibles chef, is not something that you grow up going, you know, well, maybe you do now, but, but probably as a young child, you were not growing up thinking, this is what I want to do. So how did you get to where you are? Yeah. So, um, a few years ago, I, uh, I was running a business and it failed miserably. It was, I, I was, uh, accruing debt. I, you know, we're talking like serious stuff. Like I was going to lose my apartment, you know, trying to keep the bills, uh, paid. Uh, and, so I decided to make some some edibles uh, for 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 people that I knew, right? And uh, and they they ordered more. And uh, but it, I actually started 
you know, kind of really. What was the first thing you made? The first thing you sold? Uh, first thing was uh, brownies and uh, and cookies, uh, but those com- were completely changed later. What really, um, what really got me started was I was in the kitchen one day with friend and we made, uh, it was a really hot July day, uh, scorching hot, uh, just muggy. And we made lemonade, organic lemonade. And we were drinking it and it was watermelon lemonade. And I said, can we put that in that? <laughs> and we tried and it worked and it complemented the flavor of that organic lemonade with that astringency so well that, uh, that I went to, uh, to Sheep Meadow and uh and sold them <laughs> that's, that's how i got started and the first time you walked up to somebody and said hey i've got this lemonade oh, lewis i was i was petrified man it's not what i wanted to do i went out there and i was i i failed at that miserably uh in the beginning too <laughs> i was i was uh sweating profusely not because it was hot because i was yeah because you're walking around with something that's that you could get busted for a- absolutely and um and uh, but but I had to but it was desperation it was desperation that was it uh, uh, so I did it the first few times failed at it couldn't sell it um, I sat down I got really upset about my situation felt sorry for myself for a little bit and then uh, decided I had to, bills to pay and I got up and I sold all the bottles I had in about fifteen minutes uh, and that was it I knew this is what I wanted to do. From that point on, I knew as soon as uh, I made those lemonades, as soon as I tasted those lemonades, before I even took them to the park, I knew this was something that I was going to do. And from there on out, who drank your lemonade? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And from there on out, you know, and then um, I added cookies, which I we still have the little chocolate chip cookies. Uh, There, they they still remain the same. But the iteration of those cookies took me a long time. You know, I grew up uh, cooking, but when you're talking about infusing cookies and coming up with a recipe that's uniquely yours, uh, that takes work. And uh, I I went through so many batches and ruined so many batches and and lost money and was was I was borrowing money to buy eights <laughs> to make cookies. Oh my god! Yeah, man. It well, was can bad you bit. can you walk us through a little bit of that? process because dosing you know lewis alluded to it earlier is so hard and doing it out of your kitchen you know i imagine is is both art and science especially if you want to make something that actually tastes really good so can you talk a little bit how uh, about how you how you accomplish that um so dosing yeah it can it can be challenging but i tell you um it's 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 all about numbers. It's 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 the math, and it's uh it's knowing what material you're starting with. So I, I can walk you through the process, and uh it's it's a really rudimentary process. But you um to to be able to dose properly, you have to care about the ingredients that you're using. So I start with uh, I use whole flour. I'm using uh, actual flour. Uh, I don't use shake. I don't use uh, trim. Uh, and the reason why I do that is because I. I I use a particular strain. I use GG4, Gorilla Glue number four. I think that everybody calls it GG4 now. Um, I, I stick with that strain. Uh, I know what I'm getting with that strain. Uh, I know what the effects are going to be. And um, and I know what percentage it's going to be in, in within, a, within a very slim window. So I take that, I decarb it, uh, and then I do an extraction process. I'm not using distillates or isolates. Uh, so... Uh, depending on what I'm making, you know, it could be uh, butter, cocoa butter, coconut oil, olive oil, um, uh, tincture. Uh, it just depends on the items that I'm making. Um, so the the actual the and process, that cuts that cuts into your margin, right? I mean, it's more expensive to do that. Totally cuts into my margins. It's uh, and and that that don't get me wrong, it's frustrating, but it's incredibly important to dose properly because if you don't dose properly. Uh, People aren't going to get the kind of experience that they're expecting and they trust you to give them, right? And and that, with edibles, it is such a visceral experience, right? Yes. It is, And if you get it wrong and if and if people take too much, the terror it's mi- no, that— No, it's can, miserable. It, it's mes- miserable and, it, and that— that's really hard to shake later. It's really hard to go back to edibles after that. I've gotten over it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> sure, I have too. But a lot of people don't. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we, 
the the people that I deal with, you know, it could be beginners, uh, people who've never who have very little experience with cannabis. It could be regular users. Mm -hmm. So I have to account for for all those variations. So talk about the math a little bit because you said it's all about the math. So what does that mean? Well, um, so you take a so you, so you take an ounce of weed and you have um, a certain number of uh, milligrams in that, and so you have to account for. Uh, you're estimating there's a little bit of you know also obviously estimation of uh how much you're going to get out of your decarboxylation process mm -hmm. uh generally you know looking for like 85 percent um and then you take those numbers and you're dividing by uh how many units you're going to be making out of that and uh and then uh if you really want to you know be precise which in this business you should want to be precise uh you should occasionally if not consistently uh get it tested and we do that with uh, with the actual extract but not with the uh, end product so um we don't do that cons on a consistent basis because it's so prohibitively expensive for us um, because we can't do it here. We have to go out of state to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a very involved process. But um, but generally, um, where every time we get it tested, I'm I'm always in the in, you're in within the, same the range. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Um, so Lewis has obviously raved about your products on a number of occasions, um, and, and just listening to you and your very traditional culinary background, um, you know, this is much more than, than just, I mean, the, the, the cream eggs that you just gave Lewis, this is much more than like the brownies and the cookies. So where do you get the inspiration for your different creations? Are you approaching it like, like a chef would with like any other ingredient, like a truffle or a really good vanilla or something like that? Or what's your, what's your inspiration? Yeah, it can come from different areas. Uh, it, it, it depends on, uh, well, for example, um, when I first started, I was making, uh, I was making lemonades and, uh, when winter rolls around, uh, my fruit is, is not really in season. Right. So, uh, then I'm looking for what's in season when we're hitting fall. And so I made an apple cider. So I'm looking for a drink. What do I like? I like apple cider. How am I going to make the best apple cider? And, uh, for example, this, the chocolate bar this week, um, uh, I really wanted to play around with uh, minimally processed cacao, you know, um, and that and 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 that yields us this chocolate bar that has all these uh, subtle complexities going on. Uh, I I love passion fruit, so uh, I put out a bonbon. A like Dominican passion fruit, or where like where did you get your passion fruit from? Because they're all so different. Uh, yeah, I so I prefer um, Colombian passion fruit, mm -hmm. um, but uh, but actually. I have people <laughs> I work with who will argue with me and tell me Brazilian is better. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's tough to get passion fruit here. So, um, so actually a lot of the passion fruit I use is, um, from Brazil. Um, and it's got, it's got this, uh, really nice acidity that I can balance out with, uh, organic sugar with, uh, cane sugar. Um, but so, so, and they're beautiful, by the way, I, I got some of those bonbons and it looks like, you know the the highest end chocolate you can get at any like you know Giardelli or or Godiva or I'm sure there are much better chocolatiers than that. I mean this this is what you make is art. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's it's a long process to make those bonbons. It's probably one of my favorite things to make. Um, but you know the bonbons offer me to answer to go back to your question, Anne, is uh, like the inspirations. Uh, the bonbons offer up a great opportunity to explore uh, my particular uh, tastes. For example, uh, I love I love pecan pie. I love pumpkin pie. So I made uh, vegan pumpkin uh, pie bonbons with uh, vegan pumpkin pie filling and uh, vegan gluten free crust that I put in it's a little round disc that i insert in the bonbon right before i cap it with the chocolate um all those bonbons are hand painted um uh, but those those things i love to eat right and i want to see uh what i can do with them in different forms and and then uh we're also we have a lot more clientele who have uh dietary restrictions so we're moving more and more towards uh vegan and gluten-free products how about kosher 
kosher. We're not there yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get the get a rabbi to come in and bless your kitchen. Yeah. How awesome would that be? Yeah, we're not there yet. There's a you know, but I mean, I know you're you're kind of joking, but there's a there's a lot of like uh, very specific uh, uh, aspects of putting out food that you know we want to especially with infused foods like particular type of strains right uh that we don't do yet and that we're looking to do in the future you are you're establishing yourself here in new york um as a truly unique bespoke um chef uh, but i know that you and i have talked about your aspirations to go bigger and to to potentially be multi-state can you talk about like what what do you what do you want to be like what do you want to be when you grow up <laughs> uh it's a great question man because the the potential in this market is so vast right uh we're just on the cusp of legalization in new york right so uh in the short term we're looking at uh we want to be prepared to scale up for legalization in new york uh and Ideally, what this company would look like is the ability to scale up and put out what uh, I intended to put out when I started this company, which is qual a quality culinary experience, right? That is first and foremost. The food is first. Mm -hmm. So how can you put out this level of quality organic, uh, organic um, uh, with the kind of... Uh, attention to detail that we do now, how can you scale that up? And that's something we're going to have to explore, but I, I would like to see that on a bigger scale with, with, uh, with a, a wing of, of, of our company able to work on handcrafted products, uh, bespoke products. Uh, I would love to have a facility that it's funny that you call me, you know, Willy Wonka, that, that is a production facility with an educational aspect to it where people can actually see the products made and that we can continue producing things on an artisanal level. Um, as, as we do now, we have, uh, uh People who are, 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 are have terminal illnesses, who are dealing with uh, serious chronic illnesses, and we craft uh, products for them specifically. And I would love to to still to, to be able to explore that further. Yeah, does that does that answer your question? Well, yeah, it does. And I know that we're kind of talking around a lot of this, and I, and I think especially, I mean, I'm on the, the West Coast, so life is a little bit different out here. Um, but on the East Coast, I think many people think that, you know, the industry um, has been, quote unquote, de-risked, meaning that, you know, the feds and the local police don't really care anymore. What's been your experience with that? Uh, well, I would say that uh, <laughs> it would be foolhardy to think that it is de-risked. I mean, we had Jeff Sessions in office about five to six months ago. Uh, and you know, someone who, uh, said that, uh, marijuana is a little less awful than heroin. So I, you know, I, I think the it, devil's lettuce, <laughs> the devil's lettuce. Exactly. So I, you know, uh, there are people out there who, uh, who, 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 who don't like this plant and, uh, and we are, this is still, it's still criminalized and, uh, especially people of color out there in the city will tell you that it is still, um, criminalized. Now, granted, New York, I think is done an amazing job in the past year uh coming up to speed uh we have a lot more work to do and uh i really appreciate that the legislation is trying to get it right the legislators are trying to get it right in terms of parity uh racial and economic parity and uh and and trying to uh make sure that the communities that were most affected by the drug war and rockefeller drug laws uh are going to be uh 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 brought into this market, uh, able to participate in this market. And that hasn't necessarily been the case in other states. So uh, it is not de-risked. Uh, it, it's slightly de-risked in that the, the DAs are definitely treating it a little differently. Um, there's, you know, uh, possession uh, in particular is, uh, is has certainly been de-risked. Uh, but in general, for, for uh, exchange, uh, I'd say no. Uh, in in my experience no well so going back to what you described as what your aspirations are right you you you're you aspire to be regulated 
right? Absolutely. Uh, we, you know, we want to be uh, operating in. I mean, I would love to see <laughs> cannabis uh, decriminalized and legalized uh, nationally in, in the next uh, couple of years. We should be able to do that. Um, and I, I want us to be a national. Uh, company that's what i want us to be i want us to uh I, I want us to build our roots here in new york and i i want us to be able to operate nationally and uh and be at the forefront of creating uh edibles that are that 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 provide a quality quality culinary experience right um and also not just that but also uh setting an example in terms of packaging and uh and look, your packaging is beautiful, man. Our package. Thank you. But, but actually what I'm talking about is um, compostable packaging. That, that's where I, I want us to go. And it's, it's a more expensive, um, it's, it's, an, it's an expensive investment, but uh, we all have to go there. That's kind of like one of the, the dirty secrets in this industry. And it's because of the regulation so far is that um, plastic has become so pervasive in this industry it's overwhelming you can't um, buy a bag of gummies without each one being individually wrapped for safety purposes but that's producing putting a lot of plastic out there and so i want us to uh, move towards not just biodegradable but compostable packaging um just to remind everybody we're talking with willie wonka uh, a bespoke edibles chef um you know Sticking on the issue of criminalization and and whether this is de-risked or not, um, do you know anybody who is close to you, whether business or personal, that's been arrested? And has this impacted the calculus of how you operate? In terms of uh, recently, I you know I've had um, I've had family members arrested uh, for uh, cannabis possession. Um, and you can't be really in this business without uh, knowing people who've been affected by that. Uh, and how it's affected uh, me, um, what do I say? Uh, I'm trying to think of how to answer that. Well, without... do, do you, do you, I mean, you have a supply chain for all of the components of your your edibles, whether it be the the passion fruit from Brazil or Gorilla Glue Number Four. There is a way that so in how you get your stuff, how you receive it, how you handle it. Does this is that concern that you know others around you have been arrested for possession? Does that how does that impact on how you're making your decisions, or does it? And that you, it's just part of the calculus, like. I am at risk because of what I do. It's uh, I'm at risk, uh, and it's uh, it's it's a life-altering uh, aspect of this business, and it's uh, it's it's um, it affects it affects you on a daily basis, and it affects every decision you make. So how are you dealing with the stress? Because there's this sounds like unbelievable stress. Right. Uh, Edibles. <laughs> you get high on your own supply <laughs> i eat all my stuff man um but uh yeah you know uh i i it's you just gotta try to keep a level head and 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 uh do all the things that people do on a normal basis i i don't really have a good answer for you you just have to uh try to exercise and meditate and uh and and uh work with people you trust and 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 also really believe you know, i believe in what i'm doing and i'm making i'm making artisanal uh baked goods and You're amazing and, and thank you yeah. and and uh i believe in what we're doing and we 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 have you know uh <laughs> Again, I'm editing myself on this because uh, I have to be careful with it. But, uh, well, and we, uh, no, I was going to say we can we can pivot, but but I was going to pivot to a place that maybe would add more stress to you. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should do it. Go ahead. <laughs> you can have one of the creations <laughs> yeah. on the way out. I Give mean, me some of that chocolate bar. Like there are other issues here at play, um, you know that 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 go beyond 
possession that, that go get into taxation and food safety and product liability. Um, do you find yourself concerned with any of these or is your market so small at the moment that, um, you're confident in your, in your product and your wares? Did I ask that question respectfully? So, so, uh, thank you. I, so we, uh, I, I, I have a uh, this is a very very tiny tiny operation and uh, and our and what I am doing right now is uh, preparing for legalization. So uh, so really those kind of issues aren't uh, aren't aren't really at the forefront for me because uh, what we're doing is pretty much like a lot of people are doing, which is here's what I'm working on and uh, how can I bring this to the legal market, right? And so uh, that's basically what, I, what I'm doing right now. Is that helpful? Yeah, totally. So California, you know, positions itself as the, the center of the cannabis universe, right? I mean, it's the biggest market. Um, and it's the most advanced from a illicit legal alt structure. But New York City alone is a $2 billion cannabis market. Um, do you think that there are going to be brands like have come out of California that as soon as New York opens up will grow the same way that, that are growing in California? And, and I assume that's what you want to be, right? You want to be the Kiva or the Jetty of New York. Yeah. Uh, well, see, I'm not sure how that's going to work with the with legislation. I'm not sure like who is going to be allowed into this market in the beginning. Uh, and but yeah, w the plan is to establish ourselves as uh, ideally we what we would see when legalization comes is a bunch of New York brands. That's what I want to see, especially in food. We're the food capital of the world. Absolutely, and we have there's a, there are a lot of people out there doing really cool stuff with edibles, and in New York. And uh, there should be, we New Yorkers should be prioritized. I don't know if we will be, but uh, but that's what obviously you know what we'd like to be is a brand. We'd be like to be branded right from the very beginning in the legal market and uh, and and grow here in New York. Uh, that's why, you know, I haven't I haven't moved to California. I haven't moved to Washington State. You know, people are like, why don't you move to Colorado? Well, it's not my home. Uh, that's that's not where I want to operate. I want to. We, we're on. New York is about to change drastically, and uh, we want to be here for that. Like we want to be a part of that, not just because um, obviously there's a lot of money in it, but because it's my it's home. home. It's my home, yeah. and um, and we're 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 on the uh, we're we're right on the edge of something very exciting, and uh, and this community here is it's a rich community man it's if, you, if you're you know in that community people are generous people are welcoming uh they're uh helpful and we all share the same goal and uh it's been the 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 work of destigmatizing and decriminalizing uh this plant um yeah what do you think about CV cbd infused products do you think the market is similar to the the THC based products, do you use CBD in anything? What are your feelings in general about that side of the market? Yeah, we make some uh, we make some CBD uh, tinctures, uh, some oils, MCT oil, um, and uh, some CBD skincare products, massage oil, etc. Um, and I, I think it's probably right now it's 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 really looks like it could be a lot bigger than the THC market. Uh, it really depends on how, uh, I guess, how they go about regulating. I think everybody was kind of caught off guard by CBD. I mean, if you look at New York uh, last year, all of a sudden CBD was popping up everywhere. Cafes were offering it. Uh, restaurants had it on, on deck. Uh, restaurants or uh, stores were selling CBD products. And then all of a sudden the health department issues this uh, statement uh, banning CBD uh, in food. Uh, and... Uh, and then, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, outreach about that. And then uh, they issued a letter saying, okay, we're going to wait until, I think, June or July. And then and then we're not going to issue violations until August. And I think it's just everybody is just a little bit, you know, just trying to catch up and trying to figure out uh, what uh, what it actually is, what it does. And uh, it, nobody's really had a chance to do extensive – I mean, there's been extensive research done on it, but – Really, not, not really, not it, enough. Because not enough. It's no, just um, really starting on that. Because it was just, um, 
you know, the farm uh, bill, the farm bill of, you know, in December changed a lot, but it's still, uh, the, the law doesn't really allow, uh, it's so interesting. Yeah, go ahead. On the CBC, CBD front, it's a, it's a different, it's a different extract, right? And it's coming from a different source. And because you're now allowed to ship hemp around, it, has that also changed some of your logistics here? I mean, are you getting hemp from Kentucky? Like, where are you getting the base biomass for the CBD? We get um, we get it we get the hemp from an organic farm on the West Coast, um, and uh, yeah, man, they 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 just ship it to us, and that's it. It's so it's so insane to open up a box and have, have a bunch of hemp because <laughs> it looks exactly the same, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm always it, it terrifies me actually every time I'm like is this going to be the time but uh uh <laughs> but uh yeah uh that's a, a couple of gummies uh that they you know they include a letter saying this is this is hemp this is federally regulated etc and um yeah uh that's 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 hemp is much easier for us to get and uh and we're right now exploring that market you know i cut my teeth on thc so that's that's what i know and uh we're now exploring what what else we can do with cbd and uh we really have to kind of watch what happens with the laws because there are people putting out food products right now but they're actually not allowed to as far as i know yeah, they're uh, not allowed to. And, yeah, and so th not New York at least. No, but they still are, and a lot of them are being, you know, bagged up and sealed, embargoed. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're not really sure how to, we want to enter that market, but it it looks like it's it's right now legally just too prohibitive. As you look at your business and your growth with the the regulations as they are now, it seems like you have two clear lines. Of business one is the this menu that you um, create every week um, but the other is this private infused private dinner events um, which side is more lucrative for you at the moment um, I'd say the the items I put out every week but we don't do as the dinners I don't do as much because they are so much work but I really I really love doing them so we uh, I, I do different kinds of dinners. I do the ones where we're hired out, and then I do the ones where I host. And the ones where I host, uh, right now I'm doing a dinner series that's based on my grandmother. So I was raised by uh, by three different grandmothers, uh, uh, a southern uh, white Southern grandmother, a uh, Lebanese uh, grandmother, and a Choctaw grandmother. So uh, last the end of last summer, we did uh, a Southern brunch. And that we rented out a brownstone. It was about a seven-hour brunch. And uh, it, every single item was infused, and it was an incredible experience. The next one will be uh, the Lebanese dinner. That'll be this summer. Uh, Were grandmothers at this dinner or brunch? Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. That would be awesome. It was just uh, in honor of, okay. In honor of. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they missed out on that one, unfortunately. We didn't have any, we didn't have any extra seats. Okay. Over, over the course of a seven-hour meal, though, how are you managing the experience of the guests, right? Because I can tell you from my experience and the guests that I was with, we were all like, "Lair it on, we can hang your." And you know what? I can tell you, we were morons because we really didn't realize how how much and how long when you're eating for hours the experience can be. So, well, that's a great that's a great point, and and actually that experience, Lewis, I, I think uh, was great. It was a fantastic uh, learning experience for me because as a chef, you you have to listen to your, your, your guests and what they want, right? But you also have to guide them. And uh, I could have guided you guys a little bit better and said, hold on a little bit. So what, what I generally do is uh, I incorporate, I, I don't take just the oil and, and kind of spray it onto the food. Hold on, you got to see this. Uh, what is it? This is... This is <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so, uh, just a little inside baseball for our listeners. During the show, Ann and I slack back and forward, deciding who's going to ask which question next. And she just sent me this amazing image of a child hitting, doing a face plant. And, and I can tell you from the experience from last year, if you don't know what you're doing when you're eating, you will do this. 
We'll put so, it in the show notes. Yes. Oh, yes. So, so yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't uh, generally just kind of like douse the, the, the food with oil. I like to integrate it into the actual meal. So I'm, I'm, I'm infusing it from the very beginning. And uh, honestly, that just takes a lot of uh, working out. The, because I'm, I'm making products, maybe uh, items that I haven't made before, uh, or they're just specific for this dinner. I'm not doing them all the time. So uh, the dosing is very specific to that dish and to the number of people there. So I have to um, anticipate uh, or regulate how much each person is going to eat. And uh, and so when they come in, I ask them what their tolerance is, and we have cards. Does anybody ever say, yeah, or do they all like baller and go, yeah, I, I no, can. No, not at all. No, oh, no, yeah, no. I would oh, think yeah, the yeah. opposite, Lewis. Not not everybody goes well, like running into brick walls like you do. <laughs> everybody, everybody at my dinner um, said, <laughs> bring it on, I can take it. Yeah. And I can tell you after the dinner that I was at, Everybody reported back to each other being completely fishmizzled for a full day afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what uh, was that word? <laughs> fishmizzled. <laughs> so yeah, we. Uh, so so when when I'm dosing like that, that requires just a uh, working out the numbers, and sometimes you know it's a lot of work. I'll. I'll uh, for the days leading up, I'll be working out the numbers and I'll have a notebook, I'll page and pages of just math. And I remember there was one dinner where I was- I was told there would be no math. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were you were lied to. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I remember there was one dinner where uh, we were prepping, it's a lot of prep, so we were prepping the, the day before and it laid into the night. And I only had a few hours to sleep anyway before I had to get up and prep again. And I was in bed and of course I'd been cooking, so I got a little high. And uh, and I was in bed and I just panicked and I realized, fuck, my numbers are off. And so I had to get up and I had to work through all the numbers again. Oh, man. And then the next morning I got up and I reviewed them again. I was like, okay, that is right. That's, which one that's, was it, the first time or the second time? Which, which one was right? Yeah. The second time. Oh, so yeah, you, were, you were better at math when you were high than when you were straight. This time I was. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so that is, by the way, for any of the kids who are listening, not a good idea. (laughs) Not a good idea. Straight. Do your homework straight. Kids should not be listening. Kids should not be listening. That's true. We should probably put an adult warning on this show, shouldn't we? 80 episodes in. (laughs) (laughs) That horse has left the barn. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, so what's your – it's just a couple silly questions. What's your best-selling item, and what's the item that you have that's the most fun? Like, you know that I can't wait to make this. Okay. So the best-selling item are the gummies. The gummies are, and that's really just because I think it's because uh, that's kind of a staple in the industry, right? Everybody expects to have a gummy when they when they have an edible. But also, we make our gummies with real uh, organic watermelon. So I take a I take a, a whole organic watermelon, I cut it, puree it, strain it, and reduce it down uh, with a bunch of organic lemon juice, and uh, that produces a, a a real watermelon flavor, and you taste that difference. Uh, so those are our most popular item. The most fun item to make is probably the one that's the least fun to make as well. And those are the bonbons because they take me at least two days to make from start to finish because uh, they're hand painted. I hand paint them and then uh, making the chocolate, uh, allowing it to set, then making the filling and allowing that to set. It takes a long time. Uh, and you never, when you're making those things, there are so many variables that can go wrong with the, the shell cracking, the paint not setting properly, etc. That uh, you never know what you're going to get at the. You never know like how many you're going to get out right. of that batch. Very Forrest and, Gump of you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when, by the end of it, uh, you know it's it's pretty exciting when you when you knock those out of the polycarbonate mold and and you have all these beautiful hand painted chocolates. So I and also those flavors, I just get to play with them so much. When so when you're sitting there for two days working on one thing, like what's your process? Do you have a podcast playing? Do you have music playing? Do you need silence? He's How clearly do you listening to our podcast. It's all it's your podcast. I just I. Just <laughs> Oh they're God. on it's it's on repeat uh, <laughs> so, i don't want to uh, be responsible by the way, for you know fucking what? up <laughs> any of your badges please fuck you for making a joke out of my podcast <laughs> <laughs> 
I listen to music. Uh, sometimes I'll listen to uh, NPR. Uh, a lot of times I'm listening to music and I'm dancing. Then when I when I'm at my best, when I'm when I'm really in the flow, I'm, I've got music going. I'm dancing and I'm cooking. And uh, th those are the times when everything, all the stress, everything just falls away, and I'm I'm in the flow and I'm focused. Uh, those are yeah, those are the best times. Those that doesn't happen often because uh, of kind of the uh the schedule uh but when I, especially when i'm making bonbons you really have to focus on them and it's it's a long process so that yeah it's it's a lot of fun getting into that flow you know a lot of people who listen to us on the podcast are not in the industry but they aspire to be in the industry is there any advice you would give somebody who wants to either become a chef like you or or looking to get into the industry would would you do it knowing what you know today would you do this all over again yeah, I, I, I would. I mean, it's been, um, I love what I do. I, I love, uh, I love making food for people and, and getting the response back and making them happy. And I, I'm part of that experience. Uh, it's really rewarding. And, uh, I have a, a, a personal relationship with the people who buy my products. So, uh, I get immediate feedback from them and, uh, that is that is really rewarding. I would definitely do it again. And in terms of advice, uh, I guess it has to be that uh, there's a lot of money to be made in this business once it goes legal, clearly. Uh, but there are so many aspects, there are so many angles through which you can get involved in this business that you have a pretty good chance of finding something that you're passionate about. And uh, if you're passionate about it, uh, people are, people are going to want to work with you and, uh, people are going to want your product. Uh, but it also takes a lot of work. It's like anything else, like anything else. It's a lot of work. It's dedication. You know, um, how long have you been doing this? Uh, like three years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, and it, you know, I spend a lot of money on my ingredients <laughs> and I don't have to. I don't have to do that. It I, shows I, through. I, I can tell it, you, it, as somebody it, who who is who is a consumer, there's a fundamental difference between what you're doing and and my experience, other experiences with edibles. I mean, there there is if you just make food that happens to be infused, great, tasty, fun food, but it's infused. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, we. There, there are people out there who are making um, edibles that uh, they're using isolates, they're using other things, and that is and, and ingredients that that totally work, uh, and that is that is fine. I'm doing something I'm passionate about, and that I will eat, that I feel comfortable eating, that I enjoy eating. It's got to be that every time. So, like our chocolate chip cookies, that cookie I've made thousands of those cookies, right? Um, I still care about those cookies. And you're so skinny. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, the, when I make those cookies, it took me, I went through so many iterations. Uh, I, I lost so much money trying to come up with those and, you know, just sweating in that, in that, that kitchen. And that cookie has to be perfect for, for me. Uh, it has to have, uh, this, this golden bottom. It has to have, uh, uh, very, light crust on the top it has to be chewy uh in the center it has to uh think of an entenmann's cookie or a fryhoff cookie um but like at a whole nother level they're, yeah. they're about that size or that they're, they're, they're mini, tiny they're tiny yeah. little like one or two bite cookie um and it's literally it's like eating a, an entenmann's cookie or a fryhoff cookie but just better you've got to get that uh that semi-sweet chocolate you've got to get that um that organic uh, cane sugar uh, and organic cane sugar tastes different than uh, regular processed white sugar uh, that the, the vanilla the vanilla that I use is uh, if I'm using extract it's um, you know it's the highest quality vanilla that you can get uh, Nielsen Massey um, or I'm using vanilla beans but it's always you're gonna you're, those flavors gonna come out and whether you are consciously processing it or not uh, you're going to taste it. It's going to be there. You're going to feel it. I believe I do personally when I eat them. And, uh, so, um, I think that kind of care and attention, if you, if you care enough about it to do that, I think that's important 
in terms of finding some some entry into this business. So we got one more question for you, um, and then and and then we got to go because okay. we want to be respectful of your time. Um, if there was one story that you would want the media to be writing right now about the cannabis industry, what would it be? Like, what would what would what's the story that you wish was being told? Well, let me put this. Okay, so the story that is getting told now, uh, which is one of the most important, is uh, is how you go about legalization uh, and taking into account uh, the people have been put away for for cannabis possession or distribution, what what have you, and how you rectify uh, those wrongs. So um, uh, that's one of the, if not the most important issue out there. Uh, and that's starting to be written about and it's being considered in New Jersey, it's being considered in New York. And uh, so that that is the first thing that comes to my mind, but something that I personally uh, also, I guess a second tier to that would be uh, what I mentioned before uh, is the plastic use. And uh, and I personally think that uh, we should be doing better and we uh, we have an opportunity to uh, to to fix that. We're, we're using so much plastic in this business and we could be looking for alternatives such as, I don't know, uh, compostable hemp plastic. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I'd like I'd like to partner up with somebody on that. <laughs> that that's 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 what would be interesting to me. Well, Willie, thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. We know that this was something that is outside your comfort zone. Um, and I think this was an absolutely fascinating conversation. I really, truly appreciate you doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. A special thanks to our friend Willie Wonka, a bespoke edible chef who has given us some unique insights into the still gray world of non-regulated production of cannabis product. Um, I would love to be able to tell you where you could find him, but I can't. Uh, but you can always find us. Um, and if you want to chat with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at KCSA underscore cannabis, or you can drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take, my friend Shay. One take. <laughs>